This week on Kettle of Fish, comedian, writer, and musician Matt Geiler stops by to talk about fixers, elixirs, and holiday mixers. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, guys, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, models, astronauts, and dancing pumpkins about life, love, and the creative process. I am your seafaring podcast and captain of the internet airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Cat Saurus, broadcasting to you as always from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my spandex wearing, pumpkin fearing, trick or treating producer, the black cat at the end of my broomstick. <laughs> The Magnificent D. That is really cute, but I, um, point of fact, I don't do spandex as much as I can help it. Actually, I think I'm the only girl in my office that does not own a pair of leggings. Apparently, in my line of work, that's a really popular, and social workers too, that's a really popular thing. And I'm just like, I'll stick with the blue jeans. Thanks. Aren't I'm lagging seen as evil or something? Every time I see those signs of like gay people are going to hell and communists and atheists, it always has leggings on that list for yeah, some it's reason. It's a joke. I think it's just because uh, LuLaRoe has tried to take over the world and they kind of almost have. I've seen some pretty cute ones with like Frankenstein and spiders and stuff. I just no, no, this was a legit one. They had some oh. kind of controversy with leggings where they were trying to um, outlaw them or something. Maybe because they're in so certain types. areas. Yeah. They don't want to be able like, to see the shape of your calves. They're like, oh. And some kind of fucked up middle, like uh, Midwestern footloose type towns. Yeah. We're trying to ban her. Oh my God, I can see the outline of her knees. Burn her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That should be a horror movie for you. All right, before we get started, um, editorial note Fern is gone indefinitely. Her family is having some serious medical issues, probably the most serious medical issues you can have. So she has been in Maine the last two months taking care of her parents, have no idea when or if she will be back. This is going to be a very long, drawn-out process going on with her. So our thoughts go out to her, right, Dee? Yes, it makes me sad in my face. Indeed. <laughs> but it's all And moving on to happier things, yes. what do we have coming up? I guess I'm the only thing we've got slated... For next month so far is we're having Haley Kane from Haley and the Crushers on our music show. Which is a great name, let me tell you. Haley oh, yeah. Crushers. Rawr. Like you expect They're... a bunch of roller derby girls to just come beat you in the head with like. She is kind of roller horses. derby. And See, it's very kind of like surfish beaches type there punk rock music. I'm really digging it. Um, where can everybody find us on the interwebs, D? Well, anybody who's anybody already knows, but if somehow you've been living under a rock, it's totally okay. Just go to your address bar and type in www.tincan.media and push enter. And poof, you're there. Um, or you can also download the castbox.fm app and you can find Kettle of Fish and Musical Osmosis there as well as on iTunes and we will soon be coming to a platform near you if somehow you don't have one of those. Um, we are going to be migrating a lot of our stuff over to a new site that will stream it out to the masses. So if you haven't... It's a Halloween miracle. Yes, if you haven't found Tin Can yet, oh, don't worry, we'll find you. 
See, my plan has always been to flood the internet with so many pictures of me, so many podcasts, that when the world inevitably explodes in a hundred years or however long it takes, a thousand years from now, when a you know, new crop of people show up or when aliens come down to the planet, they'll see so much of my content out there, they'll think that I was some kind of god in this age. And it'll erect right. statues to me. Yeah, sounds good. I have no real plans for my life, but I have a lot of plans for hundreds of years after my death. Of course. I think that's a solid plan. I think so, too. I think that works. You've got to have goals. All right, let's get today's guest in here. On today's guest, most people probably know him from AGT and various, various, various internet memes as the Dancing Pumpkin. We know him as our (laughs) pal, artist, musician, children's author, and comedian, Matt Geiler. Matt, happy Halloween. Hey, guys. Happy Halloween to you guys. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, as I was putting everything together today, it got me to thinking because you're an accomplished children's author. You are in a fabulous band um, called Frederick Julius. You do comedy, of course. Everybody knows that. But broadly, average guy on the street, if they're familiar with your work, they know you from the Dancing Pumpkin memes or from AGT. Does That's that right. bother you at all? Is that like how you're mainly <laughs> defined? Or do you wish people are like, hey, if you go here, they're like dancing pumpkin. But if you go here, they're like, hey, my kid has your book. Hey, Frederick Julius in the house. Do you wish people knew you equally from all spectrums of your creative life? Mm-hmm. Or are you okay with, hey, everybody knows me as dancing pumpkin, even if they don't know my name, and then I can work backwards from that? You know, honestly, I think, you know, it depends on the day. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the dancing pumpkin man thing is one of those, uh, it's one of those weird things that you, uh, as a, as somebody who makes stuff like, I guess that would fall in the neighborhood of like, I was really just trying to solve a problem in the moment and it took on another life of its own beyond anything I had intended. So that's kind of out of your control. You know, I mean, I, I, to answer your question specifically, yeah, there's some days where I'm like, oh man, you know, is this thing going to be hanging around forever? But, um, but it's a good I monkey mean, to have on your back, though, right? I mean, that's a yeah, fabulous I mean, thing. For, it brings a lot of part, happiness to people. Right. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, I'm. it's cool because, you know, it brings people joy and they, you know, it's kind of this seasonal thing where people share it back and forth and, um, you know, I, there's still some parts where like there, there are some people who are like, this is, they're like into it enough to where they try to replicate the dance moves or do the costume or whatever. And, um, you know, at that point I'm kind of like, well, you, you know, maybe, maybe there's some other things you could also do with your time. Right. Um, Have you seen people doing that for Halloween? Have you seen like the dancing pumpkin costumes out there? I get uh, well. There's not a there's not like an official dancing pumpkin man costume because I just went through the process of trademarking the character and the IP on it. Right um, on. So, but there are plenty of people who like on my Instagram will send me like pictures of like I'm going to you for Halloween this year, man, and you know check out the photos. Hope you like it. You know, it's kind of almost like you know. An homage, homage or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if it, hey, if that, if that's what blows your hair back, then you know, more power to you. I say, 
<laughs> well, look, I know you're not particularly trying to hide that Matt Geiler is the dancing pumpkin guy, but you're also not right. going out there and promoting it as Matt Geiler, the dancing pumpkin guy. So let's say on AGT, yeah. which you made it two rounds in, which is amazing. Right. Let's say that yeah, for that's some... a miracle in itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> So if you won the million dollars, are you taking the mask off and going, all right, I'm Matt Geiler, or do you want to keep a certain amount of mystery behind that character? I don't know. I mean, I think it's the, the level of anonymity is actually kind of in a cool space because, you know, not a lot of people know who's behind it. Um, there's some people who do, and I kind of like that because I feel, I feel like that character, if it's, if it's anything, the future of it, I think is going to, is going to be more in the realm of like, Oh, this is kind of part of the Halloween culture. Like Mm -hmm. I don't tour around and perform as that character, but I definitely am interested in like, you know, Oh, what, you know, what does this look like as a, um, you know, a thing that if you want, hangs on your door every October or... Oh, or, that would be amazing. Pull a little string and it's like, I always feel like somebody's watching yeah. me and it's they jiggling on the door. Yeah, that would be... Oh, yeah. man, dude, you've got so many marketing possibilities yeah, with see, that character. Yeah, I want to know when um, when everybody at Saturday Night Live is going to get their heads out of their pumpkins and decide to invite the Dancing <laughs> Pumpkin Man on maybe with David S. Pumpkins or yeah. just by himself. I mean, I could totally We need to get mad it. on a lunchbox. You haven't oh officially made it until, A, yeah. you start getting shitty Ray-Ban ads on your Facebook page. Right. Then you know you made it. Yeah. Yeah, and then, sure. B, you end up on a lunchbox. When you end up on a lunchbox, you have been solid. Your yeah. legacy is solidified. You're there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You could officially put on your tax form under occupation, I made it, and throw your hat up in the air like Mary Tyler Moore once you make it onto that yeah. lunchbox. They like me. They I... really like me. <laughs> <laughs> so as this gets bigger, would you try to hide the fact? Would you try to search for more anonymity if it started exploding to a point where it was on lunchboxes? Would you kind of pull back your public persona and put the character out front more? I think I would probably just embrace it from the perspective of, you know, I'm the original, I'm the guy who kind of originated this thing. And now I kind of preside over it just kind of organically developed into this brand. And now I kind of preside over it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's kind of how I envision it just because, uh, I, it's not something that I'm like, I definitely feel like, yeah, yo, I'm up to other things, but I'm not like trying to tour around doing shows in the costume, you know, um, those kind of things I'm pretty selective about just because, you know, I honestly, that's not something that I'm really like keen on doing unless it's like a really cool, um, like dragon con kind of one-off thing. That'd right, cool. right, right. Exactly, exactly. Well, I think like, one I just of the... did this thing. Um, I just thing last week where we were shooting um, in Los Angeles, and it was I, uh, this uh, streaming service called Tubi, um, which is not one of the big three, but it has a lot of titles, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a it's a free streaming service, but it has ad content, 
Um, anyway, they have a huge, li- like an enormous library of horror and thriller films. So they wanted to get the Dancing Pumpkin Man to be like a, like a spokesperson for that part of their catalog. Oh, that's and so, so fun. You know, something like that makes a lot of sense. Where I, you know, I shot a bunch of content for them, and so I, you know, like when you when you stream one of those titles, you know, I'll come up in the ads and like be dancing around. Um, Will you be introducing the films like Alvira or like Creature Feature, like this next film? Because I think that would be rad. That that would be rad. And they're actually um, talking about doing something like that. This was strictly just a a dancing ad campaign. Um, But one of the cool things that they did was they created like, you know, like the digital Yule logs that people have? Right, right, yeah. They did a Dancing Pumpkin Man halloween like looping feature for parties so you like bring this thing up on the streaming service and then i'm just there you know for four minute increments Mm -hmm. dancing like a madman in the background of your get together (laughs) so i mean stuff like that that makes sense you know i'll is more appealing than just like hey you know can you come to uh can you come to a high school and dance around in a gym (laughs) is um is Tubi on Roku? Can I resource it on my Roku box? Yeah, you can get it on Roku. You can get it on um, online. Yeah, it's just a uh, free I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check that. I think if one thing is holding back Dancing Pumpkin, if anything yeah. is holding it back, is that it's too wholesome. And in this Donald <laughs> Trump reality show, like gutter trash society we're living in now, I think I need to become yeah. Dancing Turkey. And we need to start like a fucking East Coast, West Coast oh hip hop battle between us where I'm like, Matt, you know, and we cut some WWE promos where it's like, that's a pumpkin. Take yeah. out, turkey, gobble, gobble. I'm taking you down. You need a nemesis. Yeah. I think a nemesis and a good feud, like a Kardashian yeah. feud between the holiday Absolutely. mascots. I think that would propel you. It might propel you to the presidency, to be honest. You might have a shot oh in 2020. God, if you do that, <laughs> there you go. Dancing Pumpkin 2020. You heard it here f- hurt fo- first, folks. And then, uh, <laughs> then the moment that uh, the moment that we get into the um, the general election, then we kind of join forces and we're on the same ticket. You know. It's, yeah, you make me your VP. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine yeah. how many um, how many holiday <laughs> turkeys your VP would pardon if he was a dancing turkey. <laughs> That would be a big deal. I'd be free in all New kinds of New decree across the land. Tofurky for all. Yes. Yep. You could get rid of that bullshit um, law in Virginia where they arrest you if you're over 12 and trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. You could do an executive order to get rid of that. Man, the mm-hmm. possibilities are endless. What are we doing sitting here, Matt? We need to run for office. I know. We need to get on this. If for no other reason, just to see a debate between Dancing Pumpkin Man and Ted Cruz. I could die happy yep. if I could witness that. I want to see that epic rap battle of history. That would be amazing. Ted Cruz versus oh, yeah. Dancing Pumpkin Man? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, speaking of rap battles, I'm a little bit disappointed. Where is Make Matt Sing? I haven't seen that in a while. You know what? We haven't done that in a while. Um, I, think the, I think the last stretch of that we did was uh, late last year, but 2018 has been um, a unusually well. It's been busy in a diff- in a couple different ways, and so Make Matt Sing kind of had to go on the back burner. I'll, mm. I'll, which actually is 
I don't like it, but I also kind of want to retool it a little bit. So I, I do want to get back doing it. And I feel, uh, I feel ashamed that I, <laughs> that I got away from it a little bit. Matt is hanging his pumpkin head in shame. The Snoopy <laughs> tune is playing. Don't do Yeah. All right, well, Let's dig into some music here because you have a very dynamic band. It kind of reminds me as a cross between Beach Boys and the Meat Puppets called Frederick Oh, nice. And I've been a fan of your band ever since you sent me, I think it was called Average Artwork, an album you did. Uh Was it the last album you did before this new one? Or was that two albums ago? Yeah. And Uh, uh, that was, yeah, that was right. Yeah, and I've been into your band ever since, but you know, I don't know a lot about your band as much as we talk here and there. Mm-hmm. Is it the same mm-hmm. players every album? Do you guys tour? Are you only a studio band? Educate me on all things Frederick Julius here. So, Frederick Julius uh, originally was just like, um, I had this, I've been writing music for a long time and recording it, but I hadn't really been, you know, putting it out in any kind of proper releases. So, um, back in about 2014 i was like you know i'm just gonna start putting it out and so it was nothing more than kind of an outlet to get stuff that had been in my head and on my computer just out into the world you know and that was it that was like you know sometimes you do some creative work just so that it's not rolling around in your head all the time oh yeah i do the Um, same with my little rap songs that nobody listens to i just have to get them out yeah, that's real. I mean, I think the first, you know, the first three records I did that way, that's what they were for. They were just to kind of do it. And then, um, so, and so because of that, it's, yeah, it's normally just me. Uh, I, I, you know, I play everything in usually through a keyboard um, and I do all the vocals. Holy and shit, you kinda... don't have an actual band? That's all you? <laughs> yeah. I thought you yeah. had an actual band behind you. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, the um, so for this latest record, Fixers and Elixirs, uh, the difference was I finally I finally was like at a point where like, yo, I'm going to get like some really good musicians and some real players and like try and figure out what this sounds like for real, you know, when it's not just me kind of hiding out in my house doing it. And um, so this latest one is a, is a full band. Um, most of them are Los Angeles uh, session players and pretty big on the music scene there. The guy who drums on the record is a guy named Butch Norton who used to be in a band called The Eels in the 90s. Right on. And nice. um, he did... Yeah, if you, they had a big single called Novocaine for Your Soul. and uh, I like he, the name, not, but I don't think I've ever heard of it. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, it was, it was kind of uh, one of the first... It was 1996, thereabouts. It was like one of the first really... Um, I don't know, like... It was kind of when the alternative was becoming more mainstream. But he, he tours with Lucinda Williams. And uh, anyway, how this record came... This version of Frederick Julius came together was... Uh, a producer I did not know, a guy named Mike Post, uh, contacted me through Instagram and said, <laughs> he said, hey man, I just, uh, I've been listening, I put out an EP last year called Autumn and Elliot, and he was mm-hmm. like, I'm listening to this EP and I love it and I'd love to do the next Frederick Julius record. And I was like, you may be one of like four human beings 
who has ever list like chosen to listen to the to the music <laughs> no. and he's like no man i love it I, th- I think it's fantastic and so we had a meeting at his studio and started chopping it up we discovered that we were both like really big brian wilson fans um, ah so that's where the influence is coming from then i heard that when i was listening to it, that influence yeah yeah especially vocally i mean i'm i've always been a huge fan of of those harmonies um and so, yeah, we just clicked and uh, we did the recording. Gosh, it was probably like we did a couple weeks um, in February and a couple weeks in March. And then we had it mastered uh, just this summer. We mastered by a guy named Greg Calby in New York at a Sterling Sound. And that was cool, too, because this guy did... Um, Gosh, he did Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. He did Born to Run by Springsteen. He did uh, he did like Blondie's first three records and a bunch of Ramones Holy records. Holy so shit, yeah, those really, are some credentials. He was really a good ear for the kind of stuff that, you know, we were putting down. Yeah. So, I, so yeah, to answer your question, this is a fuller iteration of it. Does it feel less yours or more yours now that you actually have a band behind you? Is it like, wow, this is an actual real thing? Or is it like, you know, now it's kind of not like all mine because I have all these other influences and inputs coming in? Oh, definitely the first. I feel like it's even more, it's, it's more and better because, you know, the, the musicians who played on it are so great. You know, I'm, I'm serviceable, but these guys can take, they're the kind of session players who like they can play something you wrote and then you can say, I don't even need to write charts. I can be like, Hey, could you try it again? But maybe uh, embellish it somehow. Feel free to improvise and they can make it better and fuller. So in that, in that sense, it feels like you just got a great team of people who all dig the songs and want to, and want to make them as good as they can be. So do you have that rock star yearning in you where you'd want to take it on tour and get that adulation from the crowd? I mean, I used to be in a punk band called Even Steven, and I think one of the best feelings, and I did all the writing in that band, and I think one of the yeah. best feelings was looking in the audience and seeing people sing my lyrics back to me. Do you have that oh, yeah. like DNA where you want to experience that, or are you just going to keep doing studio stuff and putting it out like on the side as you chase other creative endeavors? Well, I would, I mean, I think it wouldn't be honest to say that I would like to do that. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what it would look like. We're right now we're at the place where like we just, uh, the Frederick Julius stuff. I just did a licensing deal with, um, with a company in LA that does placements for film and TV. So Mm -hmm. I think our first Avenue is going to be to try and get the music into some media that, that, people will watch and they'll hear the music you know nice um and uh and see how that goes and then that that'll kind of give us time to like figure out what it looks like in a live setting we played a oh this is a cool story this summer um in la we played a a night a gig um we did about 30 minutes it was Frederick Julius stuff and it was at the studio that we recorded and it was kind of a mixer of industry people and music people and studio people and so it was just to kind of do a little bit of unveiling of what we've been working on and uh 
that was that felt really good like so we definitely wanted to do it again so it's like figuring out how to do it but one of the guys uh this guy came up to me after the set and he was like man i really uh i really dig the sound you know great songs and um uh this other producer introduced me and this guy's he's like he introduced this guy as uh tommy uh tommy valentino and uh, i was like He's like, oh, he was in the he was in a band called the Standells, and I'm like, wait a second, the Standells of like Dirty Water, like uh, Boston, you're my home, like 1966, like yeah, I was gonna say, isn't that a Motown band from way back? Yeah, yeah. We just had um, oh god, what's Durv's last name, D? Because he's from that era too. Yeah, no, Durv Gordon. We just had Durv Gordon on the show. Not too oh, yeah? long ago, and he is from that Motown era. He's yep. been around since the '60s, and man, the stories he had to tell. Yeah, from the Eagles. oh yeah, it was, it was amazing. I was like, uh, I was like, you, thank you, man. That's really, uh, I feel like an honor that you would even, you know, comment on the music. And um, then I started becoming like really overly effusive about like, <laughs> about how much I like you know, his work in the sixties and he was like, Hey man, this kid's all right. He's like <laughs> the only guy here that remembers that record, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I feel like it's got a live, uh, future. We just, I kind of have to figure out what it is, you know? But isn't the message here to all the kids out there listening who might be thinking about, do I do college or do I do creative stuff? Isn't it like, there's no real, I mean, there's marketing strategies, but end of the day, it's just about putting your stuff out there. Be mm-hmm. honest, do the work, yep. put the stuff out there, and sooner or later, the right people will stumble across it. You're not fucking selling vacuums for Walla Walla Washington door to door. You're not out here like trying <laughs> right. to rebuild the wheel. You just keep, like you said, somebody contacted you on Instagram and you were doing this mm-hmm. because you had to get it out. And I think people right. forget. That if you just, I mean, I know a lot of the opportunities. I work now for, um, I have a side gig running William Sanderton's, Sanderson's social media. And he's right now mm-hmm. on set doing a new Deadwood movie. And that all came about just from me chatting with him back and forth. And he's been on the show several times. I didn't go right. out and go, hey, I'm going to find actors that I can do their social media. It's just chatting with people. And they're like, hey, do you know how to do Facebook? I have no social media. Yeah, I'll set it yep. up for you. Why don't you work for me? I don't think people get how much in this industry that happens more than like auditioning for every piece of your creative life. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think it's, um, you know, it's one thing if you're, if you're an actor or a performer, um, who, who maybe not, not being generative isn't your thing, you know? And so you kind of have to go find projects, but definitely if you're just make your stuff, you know, whatever you, whatever you need to make, like figure out a way to make it. My biggest hang up for most of my life was feeling like I can't do X, Y, and Z because the, the pieces aren't all here all together. And the, the older I got, the more I realized, you know, a, it's not true, but it becomes a big hang up because like with the fr- first Frederick Julius record, my thing was I don't have a producer I don't have enough money at that time to go, you know, drop it on studio time. I don't have session musicians. I'm playing this stuff on a tiny little almost toy keyboard, you know. This is, I can't put it out into the world this way. 
And my wife, Jen, said, hey, why can't you? You know, why couldn't it be just like a sketchbook of songs? Nice. And, that um, is very cool. Yeah. You know, she was like, the charm about it could be that, you know, these aren't totally finished. They're just very vulnerable things, and they are what they are. And um, I don't know. I just, I, I think, I think now looking back, uh, make more stuff, put it out. You can always come back to it. You can always do something different. It's, nothing's ever finished, you know? Right. Yeah, I agree but... 100%. I'm sorry, D. Good. Well, I was just going to say, I think a lot yeah. of the problem for, especially creatives um, it, like us, is that mm -hmm. we are really good at talking down to ourselves, and we are really, mm. really good at telling ourselves what we can and can't do. So mm. when you've done yeah. like you have and basically told that voice, yeah, maybe you're right, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think that mm -hmm. gets us so much farther, like in everything, especially our. Well, I'm gonna push back a little, though. I don't ever think I can't do something. My, I think of my problems. Anything I, I take on too much. Well, yeah, mm. you're you're a little weird like that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but it's it's really easy for us to say, well, you know, I can't do this because I, I mean, come on, um, this I'm 39 and this is the second year I'm auditioning for America's Got Talent. Why? Not mm -hmm. because I didn't have the chops, because I've always had these chops. Amen to that. More because I was like, oh, well, I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of that. I can't do it because of, you know, whatever. Um, yep. last you have to was, abandon yeah. all fear of looking like a jackass. Yeah. I remember the first time I always played bass and even Steven. And it's a very innocuous type position. You're back there. No one's really paying attention to you. So there was no stage fright. But I had written a revenge song called Jock Asshole. And I was like, I really <laughs> want to do this song. And I just dance right. around with a blow-up doll and scream like a maniac about jock stuffing <laughs> people does. in lockers. That's funny. <laughs> and the first time I had to do that song, it was at a place called Food for Thought in D.C. And I was nervous. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out here and act like the most insane, deranged maniac and make the – I'm purposely – going to try to make the biggest fool of myself that way every time oh. i perform this song after it it'll be easier it's like starting on zelda at, at level 20 and then going back and playing <laughs> level one right so i went out there and i'm rolling around on the floor like humping a blow-up doll insane and i'm like it'll never get more embarrassing than that <laughs> and that's kind of how i cured myself of any kind of stage fright and that's kind of how i approach doing anything is if i'm afraid of it then i just make it as dumb as possible just mm. like I just took my first selfie. I'm 47 years old. I never took a selfie in my life. My daughter put me on Instagram and I was like, well, I'm on Instagram. And I had the Instagram for like a year. But once William okay. got an Instagram and I started working with William, I was like, well, I better start using my Instagram. Somehow I've got mm. like 120 followers. I never even used this site. I said, let me take a selfie. And then I was like, damn, like if I take a selfie just sitting here after 47 years, it would be like losing my virginity behind an IHOP dumpster. It has to be more fucking special than this. So I put a thing out and I was like, what can I do for my first selfie? And somebody had a great idea. And they're like, hey, you can get these little masks of your face made, little cardboard masks on sticks. Why don't you get a bunch of your friends to do that? And I was like, oh, man, that's brilliant. Nice. So I had a selfie party in Baltimore this summer at my friend April. She's got a big adult a ball pit in her basement. And all my friends wore selfie masks. And I 
you know, and I had, and Dee made me use a selfie stick because there were so many people. And once again, back to the sex thing, I was like, well, now this is like losing my virginity in a porn. Like if you're going to take a <laughs> selfie, your first <laughs> selfie with a selfie stick, what can be more yeah. trashy than that? Because I'm trying to make a mockery of it. So yeah, yeah. The, the the long I I know I tied a long tail to that kite. The point I'm trying to make in my old man rambling is you have to not have any fear of looking like a jackass, and I think I've conquered that fear quite yeah. well, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's how it works for me. Okay, let's do this. I want to play this package by Frederick Julius. Oh. Um, you want to give us any setup for this? When you're writing, are you sticking to some kind of um, basic formula? Or are you, are you the kind of artist, because I know there's two different types that get comfortable, they say, this is what works, and then there's the kind that's like, hey, I want to take this in another direction when I do this next album. Are you kind of sticking to a sound pocket, or are you constantly trying to push yourself out of your comfort zone? Um, I like to push myself out of my comfort zone but I see there are themes that I seem to return to, which are, I like, at least musically, I like stuff that sounds, um, that sounds kind of sweet and sugary, but with, uh, maybe a little darker undertone to it. Right. Um, so, and that's actually kind of where the fixers and elixirs thing comes from. Just the idea that like, I like, I like sugary harmonies. I like, pop i like jangly guitars i like all this sweet stuff that kind of might make you feel healed for two and a half minutes but you know the pain is also still present that kind of thing got you got you so um this package that's the first song on the album is this kind of a kickoff to that framework of what you were talking about yeah because that song um you know that song is actually about a, a a time in my in my marriage, you know, I've been married for 18 years, but it was a time about, um, I don't know, it was about like five or six in where it was just a really, uh, it was like one of those times you go through where you're, where you kind of question like, Hey, are we doing the right thing? Are we, is this, is this going to make it, you know? Wow. Um, And, and, uh, so that song kind of came out of that time and even though that's not where um, that's not where things are right now, you know, it's, I, I still love the song. <laughs> I can't believe you could still harness that emotion from so long ago. Usually, I, I kind of had the D. Snyder syndrome when I wrote early morning punk songs. It was very mm-hmm. snarky, very snotty, and I was uh-huh. in a place where I was like stocking shelves at Food Lion, and I had no direction. I and like D. Snyder said, like I wasn't pissed off anymore. Like I couldn't write an album like that now how are you still tapping into that with so much success and i assume from talking to your life's pretty chill how are you typing into those tapping into those kind of emotions well i don't know i mean i think for me this is and i'm just speaking for myself gotcha when i sit when i sit down one of the when i feel when i sit down at a piano i can i can get to that point which is really, um, it's almost like it lies beneath everything, which is, uh, it's, I don't know. It's like a personal emotional center, which is half hopeful and, uh, half melancholy. And I really, I don't know. That's just kind of the place I write from. I like, I like that feeling and, and, um, 
the place the uh, the place where I feel really comfortable and and um, strongest like working from is a place of uh, something bright wrapped up with something dark. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Now yeah. I get it. It's kind of bittersweet. All right, we're gonna play um, this package. Right. So D, take it away. Take me down a notch. Take me further still. They wonder if you'll hurt me bad. I say I know you will. Can it be the truth that there is nothing left between two old friends who cannot bear to say the thing they Down and wait 
Alrighty, we have returned. Uh, Matt, we I want to kind of finish up with this because you have so much going on. Um, you have a new children's book coming out, by the way. Yeah. Let me pull it up here. The Bright House. Uh, yeah. So let me start with this because there's a couple points I want to hit here. You're someone who's like me. You're insanely busy, maybe even manically busy. You're always keeping yourself busy. You've got a thousand projects going on at any particular time. Yeah. One... Your content, what you create, is usually so hopeful and so upbeat. How do you stay upbeat? And, I mean, we just had all these terrorist attacks this week, domestic terrorist attacks. And there's so Mm -hmm. much toxicity and hate in the Trump administration. How does that not bleed into your work? How do you even – I know this probably was written – I don't know when you wrote A Bright House, but how would you even write something like this during the Trump administration? And also with somebody who is just compulsively busy all the time like I am, how do you find that work-life balance? Um, okay, so to the first thing, I wrote A Bright House uh, early this year. Um, I think it was uh, between, it was, I started in late February and I finished it uh, about a month later. Uh, with the illustrations and everything. And um, I, to be honest, I, this is going to sound, I don't know how cheesy this is going to sound, but. Cheese is good. I think, I think that, especially when things are the darkest, or they, or there doesn't seem to be a way. I think that's when it's most important to, you know, act as though there is some, some hope. Right. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I don't know how to explain it other than that. It's just, a a choice, you know, without getting, without getting too, uh, <laughs> too heavy for, for anybody listening out there. You know, I came from a, I came from a household that was pretty abusive, uh, pretty, pretty chaotic, and the environment itself was not, um, you know, there, was a, there were a lot of dark days and a lot of reasons to believe things wouldn't get any better, uh, and I think when you are dealing with that kind of stuff, it's, it's easy and it's very valid to just kind of chuck it and say, well, you know, this is... I guess this is life, you know. I mean, I look. Just interject real quick here. I totally get what you're saying because when all this Trump stuff started going down, and when you, especially when you were having conversations with people, and you're like, "Well, what about this thing he did or this thing he said?" Oh, fake news. Oh, that election's rigged. Oh, deep state conspiracy. Nope, that shooter's a crisis actor. Works for George Soros. Like once yep. the conversation deteriorated where you couldn't talk to the other side, I w- and I've, I've been saying this for a year and a half, two years, the sure. only way to rebel now is to live well because the other yep. side is all about yep. we're going to drink some liberal tears. So really right. the only way to rebel is to live well. And I've been pushing this concept that I call weaponized creativity. And I'm like, like just generate mm. so much positive and so much good work. It's why I've shifted away from politics and started doing like mm. Summer of Fun, Tin Candid, and started doing all. Yeah. Oh, we just did a super fun episode for episode 90 of Kettle of Fish. Is because I just want to choke 
that other side that's brewing with all this hate and they're like, oh, screw these libtards and screw Muslims and screw gay people, whatever, whatever boogeyman yeah. they're after that week. I just want to ram so much like positive down their throat because I feel like that's the only way to rebel. So now I'm all about yeah. weaponized creativity. So I totally get where yeah. you're coming from. Yeah, just th- at, at, at that time when I wrote that, I was feeling like, you know, this. that's how I was feeling. I was feeling like I want to do something really simple and childlike and and just very elemental you know that uh that has some heart to it and you know me i mean i definitely believe strongly there are absolutely times when we have to rage um and and fight a fight a more um uh frontal battle you know but facebook is not that place anymore right i mean i just looked on your facebook and you haven't even posted anything on there for a month and i noticed a lot of artists have been checking out of facebook because it's just like a fucking viper pit of hate now (laughs) it is it is yeah it's true yeah yeah i definitely think the uh using our using our gifts and stories and uh talents to you know to breathe good stuff out right now is super important yeah so i mean and that's where i'm at dude weaponized creativity when i have somebody creative on um the show i'll send them an email and i'm like yeah let's make some like beautifully subversive moments together let's just get on Mm. here and talk because these guys are so reactionary like lebron james who you know i've heard the name didn't even know who he really was i guess he plays for the lakers he was seen like in a parking lot wearing a Beto, Beto a war cat who's running against Ted Cruz. And the comment right. from the right was like, screw that! I'll never watch a Lakers game again! And it's like, that's the reaction to everything. <laughs> oh, they canceled Brazil! Oh, boycotted ABC! Up oh, Saturday Live made a joke about Trump! Oh, we found boycotting this! Up oh, Nike's! Light my Nike's okay. on fire! Okay. Shoot, shoot my cooler! Right. Smash my Keurig coffee makers! <laughs> Like, it's so fucking reactionary. <laughs> Thomas the Train's a racist. Willie Nelson, you could go to hell. Like, they just flip out all day about everything. And at a certain point, you're like, like, you're, you're like snivy whip, snively whiplash tying a girl to the fucking train tracks. Like, you're not even a real person to me anymore because you're just mm-hmm. constantly flipping out about everything, pissed off about everything. And then the next word out of their mouth, they're like, yeah, oh, we're being oppressed by this group and this group, and we're going to destroy this group. Hashtag winning. Well, dude, it doesn't sound like you're winning. It sounds like your life kind of sucks. Nope, nope, we're winning. Yeah. Ha, ha, drinking liberal tears. It is the most bizarre thing to see these mm-hmm. people, this pendulum that they go through every day between self-victimization, and then it goes all the way back to hashtag winning. We're running all over you. I've never seen mm. anything like it in my 47 years, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's it is bizarre and frightening and frightening. Yes. All right. Well, let's end on a positive note. There's no way I could have the dancing <laughs> pumpkin on here and not talk about Halloween. Um, are yeah. you still in Nebraska? Or are you residing in L.A. now? In L.A. mostly, but um, you know we still have a place back in Nebraska, and um, I find that I that I get back there more and more every year. Um, I mean, usually we'd go back a couple times to visit family. I mean, we, all our families back in the Omaha area and, um, you have a big, crazy, yeah. like hundreds of pounds of meats cookout every, what is it? Memorial day or something every year? Labor day. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it is insane. It's, ba- it's basically an indulgence in, in, you know, Meat. the thing that 
<laughs> Omaha is, yeah. Is I picture Matt wearing a Viking hat. Dancing yeah. Viking man at the cookhouse. Yeah. It's very primal. It's very, uh, you know, it's very 1100s. It's just uh, raw humanity and raw meat, you know. It's great. You drinking wine coolers out of the skulls of your slain enemies? <laughs> Yeah, we have a couple of cranial bowls uh, that serve as community cups, and so we pass those around. And um, yeah, there. And then when it becomes dark, there's uh, some ritual sacrifice that I can't go into right now. Yeah, no, of course not. I wouldn't ask you to. All right. So, anyways, <laughs> let's get let's pivot back to Halloween. What does the dance yeah, pumpkin have planned for Halloween? Do you? Do, I guess if you came from a turbulent childhood, Halloween probably wasn't that important in your household. Well, it was one of the biggest holidays because my grandmother, uh, my my grandparents on my dad's side used to do, we grew up in the country and they did this big barn party and it was like kind of the, kind of the thing, you know, so it was a big deal. Um, but in our, you know, in my family now, I just like to take the kids out trick-or-treating and, um, you know, I'm, it's kind of focused on them. Like, I don't really, I don't really get into uh, like, a bunch of costumes, but I definitely do like my kids. If they have like an elaborate costume, I try to help them put it together. And I don't know. It's just a time when I can enjoy being a dad. We, uh, actually this, um, in the fall, there's a place back in Omaha. We, we won't get to go to it this year, but, uh, when we can, we try to, it's a huge, it's an enormous pumpkin patch. It's like, I mean, they do this crazy, it's like 200 acres. They've got haunted houses, slides. Oh, man, that festival. sounds amazing. Like all this stuff. So that's kind of a, a thing we we try to do um, also. Um, but it, for me, it's just about my, my boys. and. You're uh, from Omaha, though, right? Right, right, right. So yeah. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of celebrities, and I don't know if you consider yourself a celebrity, but somebody in the public world from Omaha, <laughs> are they like, when you go back there, because I know in L.A. it's probably no big deal, but are like right. your kids, friends, like, oh, my God, your dad's a dancing pumpkin, and is a mayor, like, giving you the freaking key to the city? How are you treated when you go <laughs> back to Omaha? Or, does, or is, are you just Matt Geiler when you're in Omaha? Um, I'm just, I'm kind of who I am. Uh my definitely like my kids friends though like because they're familiar with meme culture and they have have a pretty good history with that they know the dancing pumpkin man so i guess to them i'm you know that's kind of a big deal um to people our age you don't really know if you don't really know about it they're like huh i don't know what that thing is but um <laughs> yeah back home i'm more known as like uh you know just the comedian who you know, kind of moved to LA and did some bigger stuff, you know? Right. But Midwestern, Midwestern, it's also that, you know, like it's all, there's also that kind of thing in the cultural fabric of like, don't get too big for your britches. So it's not like you come home and there's a parade. It's like, (laughs) it's basically like, uh, you know, you're just, you're who you are when you left you know what i mean (laughs) well that's actually cool you did the thing that's cool all right give me those uh things over there pass me that thing yeah 
Like, nobody cares. It's fine. But, see, I would like that better. I remember, yep. and D, you remember this, when we were doing politics a lot. I was writing for a political site. I did, um, you know, I did some other things. I'm not going to go into my whole resume here. But I was starting to pick up a lot of steam politically. And we went to our mm-hmm. friend Mariana's wedding. And people were like, Nick, Nick, t- tell me some political stuff. Go on a political rant. And, you know, and I kind of sounded like a dick. And I was like, dude, I'm at my dear friend's wedding. And I'm kind of off the clock. And they're, like, drinking. Yeah. Like, come on, come on. Uh, you know, tell me if Trump wasn't a thing yet, but they're like, you know, tell me what you think about like Scott Bayo dipping into politics or, you know, Santorum's sweater vest and they, you know, yeah. or Ben Carson in the hammer. And I was like, man, dude, I'm starting to become like a character of myself. I don't like this. So I feel like it would be <laughs> comfortable to know you could go back to Nebraska and they're like, hey, Matt, what's up, man? You want a beer? And not be like, the pumpkin yeah. guy's here. Dance for us, pumpkin boy. Dance for us. I think there's something right. really comforting about that. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a very, uh, it's a very low-key, kind of unassuming place, and, you know, it's, uh, I, I, one of the good things about it is it's, it's, uh, growing up the place I did, it was more about, like, how you treat people than what you accomplished or what you did, you know, it wa- it wasn't that it wasn't good to go out in the world and, and do good things, but at the end of the day, it's more about h- how you're, kind of connecting to the people around you so america needs yeah. to get back to more of that man that sounds right. good i i loan for i never thought i would long for those days but i maybe i'm becoming old as i hurl towards 50 but i long for those days man yeah that sounds oh, yeah. sweet and i live in tennessee and it's not like that at all i mean people are actually kind of really rude and passive aggressive here and i yeah. thought i was going to be drinking lemonade like on people's porches, like Andy Griffith, and we'd be telling tales about the time, like I, you know, I hit a deer with my car or whatever. No, it's not like that. Though. Yeah, no, no. It's very angry and like a lot of racism under the surface and stuff like that. It is very, it is the Stepford's Stepford Wise version of that. If anything, mm. very passive aggressive. All right, we got to get out of here. We've got another recording to do. Matt, as always, thank you so much for calling in. Tell everybody what you have coming up, where they can find you. Um, do you tour the country at all? If not with your band, are you, are you touring with comedy or are you kind of stay centralized so you could be around the family and just kind of create out of one central location? I do. When I go out on the road, it's usually uh, a lot of colleges some clubs but most most of my road work is doing college gigs so do you stay um, away from corporate events i do a lot of corporate stuff it's just um it's kind of here here and there when i can fit it in you know what i mean um but yeah i I most probably 80 percent of my live appearances are you know college college gigs where i come in and do the musical improv thing um but yeah you, you know people can find me on instagram Facebook, social media, um, you know, mattgeiler.com is, is kind of the landing place. And, um, you know, the, the books and the music are out there on the usual places. Uh, is a bright house and fixers and elixirs out yet? Are those things already out? A bright house is out. Yeah. You can, you can get that anywhere. I mean, I think it's on, um, I know you can get it like on Barnes and Noble on Amazon. You can also there's a there's also a website called brightonhope.com where the book is available too. And uh Fixers and Elixirs comes out in February. So right now we're just kind of getting into, you know, r- ramping up towards that. 
Right Sounds on. good. All righty. I hope you have a great Halloween. And once again, thank you too. for phoning in, man. It was a pleasure as Absolutely. always. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love you guys. Aww, right back you. at you. All right. And then we're going right. to end this episode with some Water in the Walls by Frederick Julius. Bye, guys. A pipe exploded. Something's eroded. There's water seeping down in the walls. I hadn't noticed. She duly noticed. Well, I just I feel nothing at all. La, 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 yeah. I pulled the fridge out just a smidge now. To see how bad it looked from the side. It's probably nothing, she said, but something. It's dark and wide. Start of a dry. I know we need to. She said the bleed through is spreading and it's making me cry. La 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 yeah. I tear our walls down. Our cares will fall down. I finished what I started back then. I think I'm ready. She said let me into the kitchen
too much water in these walls. There's water, there's water in these walls. There's water, too much water in these walls.